Hello and welcome to the I Can Do podcast with Benjamin Lee. We're here to talk about tips and strategies to have an I Can Do mindset. Life is what you put into it. Get the most you can. Here's your host, Benjamin Lee. You know, life has a way of... <clears throat> causing us to find ourselves in situations where we don't always know what to do. And maybe even sometimes we are powerless and we have no control with what we can do. There are certain men in the Word of God that, and women as well, that could can relate to that. I think about Job, number one, where Job lost his family, his wealth, his health, his position in his city very quickly. And Job was trying to figure out what's happening here. What am I supposed to do? What about Hezekiah, where Hezekiah laid out his prayers before God when Sennacherib came against him and the people, the Assyrians. And God delivered them from that attack. But then shortly after, in the process of time, Hezekiah received news that he was terminally ill. And the prophet told him he would not recover. Set your house in order, for you're about to die. When we get news like that, that, that's hard to hear. When we hear about family getting news like that, that's very challenging to hear. And yet, both for Job and for Hezekiah, I'm thinking about Hannah as well, in 1 Samuel chapter 1, not having a child. All of these examples that we find, you know what they did in those circumstances? When they did not know what to do, they turned to God in prayer. They laid out their prayers before God. They petitioned the throne of grace. They knew where to set their eyes when they did not know what to do. The reality is the last two and a half years have been very challenging for all of us in some shape or form, recently or in the past. And how we respond will go a long way as well. Now, I mentioned individuals like Job and Hannah and Hezekiah, but there's another man in particular who's mentioned in the Old Testament. And if you have your Bible, open it up, please, to Second Chronicles chapter 20. And it's in this chapter here where there is a man who actually said these words, we do not know what to do. We do not know what to do. And we're going to look at the prayer of Jehoshaphat. And as you're turning to Second Chronicles chapter 20, I want you to, to consider this. Do you know why he said we do not know what to do? Do you remember the circumstances that caused this great king to cry out to God where he was at this situation of not understanding and figuring out the next step? That's what we're going to learn along the way. We're also going to be reminded about the power of prayer and things that can even help us as we go to God in prayer because we are praying to the same God of heaven. As we get started here, I want to begin in Second Chronicles chapter 20. And I actually want to begin at the end of the story where we get some details uh, about Jehoshaphat and his reign. Look at Second Chronicles chapter 20, beginning in verse number 31. Jehoshaphat, and that's how I'm going to pronounce his name. I'm sure there's a couple of other ways you could do that. Jehoshaphat became king over Judah. He was 35 years old when he became king, and he reigned 25 years in Jerusalem. So he was one of the kings in the southern kingdom. The kingdom by this time had been divided. His mother's name was Azubah, daughter of Shilhai. He walked in the ways of Asa, his father. 
So we know that this king did some good things. He was walking in the path of God. He did not turn away from it, but did what was right in the Lord's sight. However, the high places were not taken away. The people had not set their hearts on the God of their ancestors. Was this king perfect? Obviously not. But he did do a lot of great things. In fact, when you go back to chapter 17, and I want to look at chapter 17, in these first 11 verses of chapter 17, we get additional detail about this man, that Jehoshaphat indeed was seeking to serve the true and living God, an example for all of us to follow as well. Look at verse 1. Uh, this is after the death of Asa. His son Jehoshaphat became king in his place and strengthened himself against Israel. He stationed troops in every fortified city of, of Judah and set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim that his father Asa had captured. Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat. So think about that. He sought after God and God is with him. The Lord was with him because he walked in the former ways of his father David. He did not seek the bells, but sought the God of his father and walked by his commandments, not according to the practices of Israel. So the Lord established the kingdom in his hand. Then all Judah brought him tribute and he had riches and honor and abundance. Notice what verse six says. His mind rejoiced in the Lord's way. That's an example for us that it's not. A, a burden to worship God. It's not a burden to, to follow the true and living God. It's not something that we feel kind of shackled that we have to do it. No, he rejoiced in the Lord's way. You see, he loved God. And that's where our relationship has to get to as well, that we love the Lord. His mind rejoiced in the Lord's ways. Can we say the same about ourselves? For this man, his mind rejoiced in what God had done and the commandments of God. And he again removed the high places and the Asherah poles from Judah. What else is fascinating? When you look at verse number seven, in the third year of his reign, he's going to send out a, a number of officials. And I want you to drop down to verse number nine. They taught throughout Judah, having the book of the Lord's instruction with them. They went throughout the towns of Judah and taught the people. Think about that. The king, everything rises and falls with leadership. And what this king is doing, he's setting the tone. My people are going to know God's word. What a great example for every congregation and for every household. No, the word of God has to be taught. And Israel needed to be reminded about God's word over and over again. We know that same pattern is true for us today. We know how quickly it is to forget. Do not dismiss the word of God. Do not think that you have arrived and that you know everything there is about the Bible and you can answer every Bible question, which means you no longer need to open up your Bible on a daily basis. You are wrong. And so am I if I have that disposition in heart. If we're going to seek after God and love God, don't just be hearers of the word either, but be doers of the word. This king was that. Because he rejoiced, his mind rejoiced in the ways of the Lord. That is a pattern for us to follow. And this king influenced the people around him, at least to the best of his ability. What else is fascinating is verse number 10. The terror of the Lord was on all the kingdoms of the lands. This king has favor from God that surrounded Judah. So they didn't fight against Jehoshaphat. So what does he have? Peace. 
protection. Some of the Philistines also brought gifts and silver as tribute to Jehoshaphat. Now that's fascinating that the Philistines are doing this for him. And the Arabs brought him flocks, 7,700 rams and 7,700 male goats. What a way to start your kingship. Things are going quite well for this king. Notice the, 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 the love that he had for God and the fact that indeed he was blessed by God. We're not going to really dive into chapters 18 and 19. If you read the bulletin, I encourage you to read those weekly bulletin articles. Uh, Most of the time I'm writing them. Sometimes I'll uh, use someone else's material for that uh, to get a different voice. But I talked about this event or these events that took place in chapters 18 and 19. And one of the things that would get Jehoshaphat into trouble is something that gets us into trouble as well. Who and why he made alliances with. You see, when he aligned himself with others who did not fear the Lord, who were not rejoicing in the Lord's way like King Ahab in the north, well, that's when he got himself in the trouble. And yet God would deliver him out of that particular situation where he was in battle and he was on the verge of dying when you read Second uh, Chronicles chapter 18. And what we find here in chapter 19 is that Jehoshaphat is going to make even more reforms. He's trying to lead the people in the paths of righteousness. But that still hasn't answered the question, why did he cry out, we do not know what to do? Well, that takes us to chapter 20. In chapter 20, I want you to notice the first two verses here. After this, this is after uh, Jehoshaphat, when he's making these reforms, he's pressing or pushing that there is justice in the land that the judges who are in the land, that they are going to do right by the people and by God. After this, chapter 20, verse 1, the Moabites and Ammonites, descendants of Lot Lot and his daughters, together with some of the Mennonites, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, if you have a, a pencil or pen, go down to verse number 10, where we read about these same individuals again, and it says the inhabitants of Mount Seir, which is talking about those from the descendants of, of Esau or Edom. And so the Moabites, the Ammonites, together with some of the Menites, came to fight against Jehoshaphat. We can read that very quickly and say, okay, there's, an, there's a battle that's taking place. But this is going to be a big deal for the people because he's going to receive this news. And I know it was a big deal because these are enemies of God's people. There's a history with these individuals. Much like we have history, America has history with other nations. And we, when we learn of other nations, if they were to come against us, that's going to get our attention. So watch what happens next. Jehoshaphat hears this news. that They have come to fight against him. You with me? Look at verse 2. People came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast number from beyond the Dead Sea and from Edom has come to fight against you they are already in Hazazon Tamar that is in Gedi the battle is coming and so he receives this news of individuals that are coming up against him and the response in verse 3 was he's afraid it's hard when we receive news like this as well isn't it a phone call text message an email that suddenly changes everything in our lives. And this great king who was seeking after God, who was blessed by God, 
who had peace from God. Now he's afraid. There are moments in life where we will become afraid as well. What's important is what we do with that fear. What's important is what you do, what I do with that fear. Because there is a right way to respond and there's a wrong way to respond. And what we find from this great king is that he's going to respond in prayer. I want you to notice what the rest of verse 3 says. He was afraid and, continuation, he resolved to seek the Lord. He resolved to seek the Lord. He cried out to God. He was pleading with God, begging with God, inquiring of God. He turned to God. Brothers and sisters, life just has a way of happening. When we receive bad news, tragic news, uncertainty happens, that's our response. But the question is, is that really our default response? That when we are afraid, we immediately resolve to seek the Lord. It's a pattern for us to follow. And it's a pattern that we need to grow into and even help our children to follow as well. Notice that it wasn't just Jehoshaphat who would do this. He's going to encourage the people as a whole to do this as well. Jehoshaphat was afraid and he resolved to seek the Lord. Then he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. So now this news is going out. Listen, the king is praying. Excuse me. <clears throat> the king is praying. I want everybody else to pray. He proclaimed a fast in Judah. I don't know so much about fasting here in the state of Texas, right? But they were fasting and praying and they go hand in hand. And that actually hits home because do we fast and pray? Jesus said, when you fast in the Sermon on the Mount, there is something powerful and important about it where it helps us to focus our attention even more to God. They're going to pray and they're going to fast. So he proclaims the fast for all Judah who gathered to seek the Lord so the people are following their king. And think about that for a moment. What did our king do while he was on earth? What did he do over and over again? What kept his schedule busy? Praying. That's what our king did. He prayed. He would slip away in Luke 5 to pray. He would wake up early in the morning to pray. He would stay up all night in Luke chapter 6 to pray. If that's what our king did, should we not follow him as well? You see, that's what they did with this king. They even came from all the cities of Judah to seek him. So watch this. The Holy Spirit lays out his prayer. And it's similar to other kings like Hezekiah uh, and, and other great individuals that we read about in the Old Testament. Verse 5, Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the Lord's temple before the new courtyard. If you take notes in your Bible, you can write Second Chronicles chapter 6, verse number 28. He's actually going to quote from that in his prayer. And that was at the dedication when Solomon dedicated the temple to God. And there is a, a pattern, again, of what's happening here. The people were to turn to God. That's exactly what this king is going to do. And so he has his people. They're in the Lord's temple before the new courtyard. He said, Lord God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? Do you hear the confidence that this man had? That is an example of how we pray. 
He knew about God. He knew about he was a God of their ancestors. And the power and the fact that he rules over all the kingdoms. Notice what he said next. Power and might are in your hand. And no one can stand against you. We don't have the power. And when bad news happens, when tragedy happens, when death happens, when uncertainty hits, like it has the last two and a half years, we must turn to the one who has the power. Even when we're afraid. And that's what Jehoshaphat did. He prayed with great confidence. He's rehearsing the the truth about God, certainly for his benefit, for, to praise God and, and for everyone else there. No one can stand against you. And that's what that's what they would need. They would need help because they weren't going to be able to stand before their enemies. Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and who gave it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? So he's going to God with confidence. He's focused on God's power. Now he's rehearsing what it was that God had done. Listen to what he says again. Are you not... Our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people, Israel, and who gave it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend. Why, why, why does he do that? Why do so many of the, the, the men that we read about in the Old Testament rehearse the past? Nehemiah in chapter 1, he did that. Daniel did that. Why did they do that constantly? Because if God can do all of that, And if he did all of that in the past, then certainly he can help us out right now in the present. But just like Israel, what do we do? We forget. We get full and we forget about God. Or maybe we don't forget about God. Let me rephrase that. But we forget about his power. Or we forget about what he's already delivered us from. How he answered those prayers from two years ago. What were you praying about in COVID in 2020? Sitting in your car, worshiping out in the parking lot. Or when your child was in the hospital. Or when you suddenly lost your job. Or when you got a diagnosis. We pray and we pray and we are delivered and then we move forward. And if not careful, we forget. Well, see, what's interesting about Jehoshaphat is that when you go back to chapter 18, I told you we weren't going to look at it. I just want to show you a little bit here. Turn back to chapter 18. This was not the first time. This was not the first time that he cried out to God. This was not Jehoshaphat just kind of ignoring God throughout the way, and then all of of a sudden, okay, okay, Lord, I need you. No. You see, remember, he was seeking God from the beginning. And in chapter 18... In verse number 31, Ahab essentially set him up in battle to die. In verse 31 of chapter 18, when the chariot commander, commander saw Jehoshaphat, they shouted, he must be the king of Israel. What Ahab told him was to dress in his royal apparel. And so that's what the enemy thought. That has to be the king of Israel. So they turned to attack him. But Jehoshaphat cried out and the Lord helped him. God drew them away from him. Jehoshaphat knew where his power or where the power and deliverance was going to come from, God. So when you get to chapter 20, this is not the first time that he's crying out to God. So even Jehoshaphat has a history, a past with God. He delivered me from that battle. 
And if he could do that when I was in the middle of that battle, then he can deliver me for, from the battle that is to come. And all of us are going to have some kind of battle. The devil is still alive and well. The devil is like a roaring lion. And the battles that we face on a day-to-day basis, we need to remember what God has already accomplished. And so going back to chapter 20 and verse 8, they have lived in the land and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name and have said, and he's going to quote now from Second Chronicles 20, I'm sorry, chapter 6 and verse 28. If disaster comes on us, sword or judgment, pestilence or famine, we will stand before this temple and before you, for your name is in this temple. We will cry out to you because of our distress and you will hear and deliver. That, brothers and sisters, is the confidence that we must have. And that's what he's doing. And so he's going to God. He's rehearsing what he's done in the past. And then he lays out the problem. He just talks to God. And that's what prayer is. We are talking to God. We are pouring our hearts out to God. Listen to what he said. Now, here are the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the inhabitants of Mount Seir. You did not let Israel invade them. When Israel came out of the land of Egypt, but Israel turned away from them, And did not destroy them. We did the right thing. But now it looks like the right thing isn't working. Because now they're invading us. We listen to you, God. And look at where we are at this moment. Have you ever felt that way? I've been doing the right thing for years as a husband. As a wife. As a child. And it just looks like I keep getting the same hits. I keep going backwards. Why is that, God? Well, that's not really the tone of Jehoshaphat. He is crying out to God. And he is pouring his heart out. In verse 11, he said, look how they repay us. And that happens sometimes, doesn't it? You try to do good for someone else. Don't try. You actually do good for someone else. And what do they do? They repay you with evil. That happens. That's what he's talking about. Now they're, now they're out to repay us by coming to drive us out of your possession that you gave us as an inheritance. Jehoshaphat, in this prayer, when you take your time and read this, maybe this afternoon or later on tonight or this week, the emphasis is, is, is upon God, your power, God. Your inheritance, your land, your rule. Look at verse 12. Our God, will you not judge them? He's making a request and he's bold. God, I want you to judge them. Please, will you not judge them? Now, here is where our title of the lesson comes from. For we are powerless before this vast number that comes to fight against us. We do not know what to do, but we look to you. Jehoshaphat knew even when there was nothing that they could do, there was always something that they could do. He put his eyes on the Lord. And life has a way of making us indeed feel powerless, that we just have no control at all. But brothers and sisters, we know what to do. The question becomes, are we actually going to do it? That's what the king did. And I got to tell you, I get excited reading this story. Because why do we pray? What's our expectation? That God's going to move on our behalf. 
That's exactly what God does. In verse number 14, I'm sorry, verse number 13, all Judah was standing before the Lord with their dependents, their wives and their children. In the middle of the congregation, the spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of, uh, son of Jael, son of Madaniah, a Levite from Asaph's descendants. And he said, listen carefully. I pray that all of us this morning are listening carefully. I pray that we did not shut our minds down when you heard that this is another sermon on prayer. We already know how to pray. No, we need to listen carefully. And so do the people. And particularly in the middle of suffering, we need to listen to God carefully. Listen carefully, all Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast number. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. That's what God told Moses, or Joshua rather, in Joshua chapter 1. It's what the angel of the Lord told Gideon in Judges chapter 6. We need to be reminded, don't be afraid. Because we are not alone in the battles that we face. The word came to the people. They were to listen carefully. They were reminded not to be afraid because God was with them. Watch what he says next. Tomorrow, this is shocking, or maybe it's not shocking, Tomorrow, go down against them. Well, wait a second. You want us to wake up in the morning and go where the enemy is. That's exactly right. That's exactly what he said. Tomorrow, go down against them. You will see them coming up the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the valley facing the wilderness of Jeriel. You do not have to fight this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. That's what God told the people in Exodus chapter 14 before they crossed the Red Sea. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. What great application for us. Stand still. We make matters worse sometimes, trying to take things into our own hands. Let God, let God do what he can do. Stand still, he says, and see the salvation of the Lord. That's why they were to get up the next day. They were going to witness the power of God. Position yourself, stand still, see the salvation of the Lord. He is with you. Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid or discouraged. Second time he said it. Tomorrow go out to face them, for the Lord is with you. Said it again. Then Jehoshaphat knelt low with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord to worship him. He had not yet already, he had not yet delivered them, but they are already worshiping him. Can we worship our God even when things are not a hundred percent the way we want them to be? Will we worship our God even when our lives are not what we want them to be? If we have to wait until everything in our life is exactly the way we want it to be, we're never going to worship God. They did it in the middle of the storm. And that's what we have to do as well. They knelt and they worshipped. Then the Levites from the sons of the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel, shouting loudly. In the morning they got up early, so watch what they're doing. They're keeping the commandments of God. And they went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. As they were about to go out to, as they were about to go out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. What a great example for fathers. Everything rises and falls with leadership. 
That's how we lead our families. When the storms hit, we let them know, listen, the Lord is with us. We believe that he's going to give us success, no matter what that looks like. But we got to remind ourselves and we got to remind uh, our families and and in churches, we need to be reminded of this as well. Believe in the prophets, believe in the word of, of the Lord and you will succeed. Then he consulted with the people and appointed some to sing for the Lord and some to praise the splendor of his holiness. Again, all the attentions on God. When they went out from when they went out in front of the armed forces, they kept singing. Give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love endures forever. The moment they began their shouts and praises, the Lord set an ambush against the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the inhabitants of Mount Seir who came to fight against Judah, and they were defeated. That, my friend, is awesome. The moment they started singing, God moved. You know what that makes me think of? Paul and Silas. What are they doing in prison at midnight? Singing and praying, and God moves. A great earthquake occurs, and a family is going to be saved. Well, Judah is going to be saved, and this is why we don't have to worry about how things are going to turn out, because we can worry ourselves to the point of, how, how is God going to handle this situation? I have no idea, and neither do you. We have no idea. But I do know who God is, and I know what he's done in the past. If he can part the Red Sea... Give manna for 40 years. Destroy the, the idol gods or the, the, the plagues in Egypt. He can take care of me. He will take care of me and you. In verse 23, God is so awesome. Actually, yeah, the Ammonites and Moabites, they turned against the inhabitants of Mount Seir. They fight against each other and completely annihilated them. When they had finished with the inhabitants of Seir, they helped destroy each other. They killed one another. When Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked for the large army, but there were only corpses lying on the ground. That's why he said, tomorrow you go out and face them, because you're going to see just how powerful I am. And they looked for the large army, but there were only corpses lying on the ground. Nobody had escaped. Then Jehoshaphat and his people went to gather the plunder. They found among them an abundance of goods and the bodies and valuable items. So they stripped them until nobody could carry any more. They were gathering the plunder for three days because there were so much. They assembled in the valley of Berica on the fourth day, for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore, that place is still called the valley of Berica today. Then all the men of Judah and Jerusalem turned back with Jehoshaphat, their leader, returning joyfully to Jerusalem, for the Lord enabled them to rejoice over their enemies. So they came into Jerusalem to the Lord's temple with harps, lyres, and trumpets. The terror of God was on all the kingdoms of the lands when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. Then Jehoshaphat's kingdom was quiet, for his God gave him rest on every side. What an amazing story. A story on prayer. A story of God and his great power. I want to leave you some words of the Holy Spirit. Some points of application that I want us to consider. As we think about ourselves when we find ourselves saying, we do not know what to do. Number one is this. Jehoshaphat said he resolved, or the text says that he said he resolved to seek the Lord. That was what he did when difficulties came. Do we do the same? 
We know that we are supposed to pray. We know that we are to pray without ceasing. But brothers and sisters, this has to become a habit for us, that we resolve to seek the Lord, that we turn to God. His eyes are on God, and that's what we are supposed to do. Have we been praying the way that we should? I'm not here to tell you how long you should pray or how often you should pray. I just know that we have to pray because our God is alive and he is working and we need to turn to him. When difficulties come, we do not want to turn to addictions or our own power or walk away from God. And we've seen that with members here. No, we want to turn to God and seek after him in prayer. And when we do that, that's how our eyes will be upon him. That's what it said in chapter 20. My question for for you, and this applies to me, where have our eyes been? Attention equals influence. Attention equals influence. Where do we put our attention? Who's it on? Ourselves, our money, our homes, social media, porn, President Trump, President Biden, government. Where's our attention? Gas prices, inflation. We can be fragmented and and just focused on all the wrong things. Attention equals Influence is the Holy Spirit influencing me and my family. Am I turning my eyes to God, the only one who can truly deliver me? Because I'm powerless. No government can ultimately save me. Only God can. No amount of money I make or you make can ultimately deliver us because it can be taken away in an instant. Bitcoin and crypto. One goes up, now goes down. Where is your attention? It needs to be on God. And I loved how Jehoshaphat taught the people. They needed to hear the word of God. That's where our eyes need to be, our attention. Can you say that your eyes are on God? All Judah was standing together. That's chapter 20 and verse number 13. What a great passage, Tim, for our parenting class. Their wives and their children. They all prayed together. Is prayer taking place in our homes? All Judah came together and prayed. You know, we come together and pray, which is good. This is the reason for you to be here every Sunday on time with a heart ready to worship God. We need one another. They all came together. We did that in COVID. We were coming together. And I'm thankful that we still come together. It cannot stop. The families here at West Main need to come together. Wives and children and men, we need to pray. We need to pray for our families because they're being attacked. Pray for our children because some are falling away. Pray for our marriages, that we will be faithful unto death. All Judah was standing together. As a congregation, we need to stand together. One heart, one soul, Acts 4. Because the devil is against us. He is our enemy. But with God and being united, we will be able to overcome.
That's what they did, and that's what we need to do. Tomorrow, go out to face them. That's what he told the people to do. I don't know what you're going through this morning, but I do know tomorrow you need to get up. And whatever is going on in your life, you need to walk by faith. Tomorrow, we got to get up. You see, when, when, when things happen, we still have to keep moving forward with the help of God. It doesn't mean I'm not saying that we don't mourn or that we're not discouraged or we're not frustrated. But tomorrow, they still had to get up. And God was going to show them what he was going to do for them. We need to get up tomorrow and face whatever it is that we are going through. Not alone, though, but with God. Because he is the one. Remember, Jehoshaphat said, I'm powerless. And so are we. But with the strength and grace of God, we can get up the next day. Because we're not alone. He is with us. Do you believe that? That's why prayer is important. Because it will remind us that he is with us. That's why going back to the past and considering what is done, what he's done is important because it will help us to get up the next day and to continue to move forward the next day. That's what we need to do. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. That's what the Bible says in Second Chronicles chapter 20 and verse number 20. Do you believe the words of the apostles and the prophets? Pray without ceasing, First Thessalonians 5. Do you believe that to be true? If you do, then pray without ceasing. Pray for doors of opportunity to open up. Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. Do you believe that to be true? If you do, then pray for that. The church coming together like they did in Acts chapter 12. Praying for one soul. Peter. Do you believe that to be true? The power of prayer to help a brother in need. We make announcements up here about individuals who need prayer. We send out emails about individuals who need prayer. Are we acting upon these opportunity and requests? Do we believe in the power of prayer? Because the power is in God ultimately. Do we believe the prophets? If we do, then we need to act. And God will give us success. I love what Brother Ray said too. I don't know how everything's going to turn out. I'm not making a guarantee that this will happen if you do this. But what I do know is like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were settled. They were grounded. They were standing still. They would see the salvation of the Lord. They were not moving. No matter what happened, we're going to remain with God. And that's where our faith has to be. And when we go to God in prayer, that's what he can do for us. At the end of this story, as we wrap up this morning, it started off with fear. He was afraid and he resolved to seek the Lord. But at the end, in chapter 20, in verse number 30, then Jehoshaphat's kingdom was quiet, for his God gave him rest on every side. What a way to end a story. And that's what God can do for us. We find ourselves in a chaotic place, a place of fear and uncertainty and doubt. But when we do not know what to do, we do know what to do essentially, right? We turn to him in prayer. And he is the one that can give us peace, rest on every side. The good news, brothers and sisters, is that no matter what happens on this side of life, we will have this peace and this rest. Which is why our eyes need to be on him. 
which is why we turn to him, because we need him. This is a prayer for us to model. Whatever you're going through this morning, pray to your Father in heaven. We serve the same God, and you pray with great confidence. Pray for the souls here that are beginning to depart from the faith. Pray for the souls here that are hurting because they've lost loved ones. Pray for the souls here who are worried about family members in the hospital. Pray for the souls here whose children have left. We pray like Jehoshaphat did, and our God will answer. Thank you for your attention this morning. You didn't hear the phone go off, but it went past 35 minutes, but that's okay. Salvation was given to this king. Do you need salvation today? You've said a lot about prayer. Salvation can be yours today, but it will not come through just a prayer. That's what a lot of people preach. Say this prayer, accept Jesus in your heart. Salvation comes from obedience to God and his will. Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Don't ever be ashamed of the truth. That's what the Bible teaches. And if you are in need of salvation, God of heaven can give you rest and peace of mind, knowing that you too have been released from your sins by the precious blood of Jesus. Is it for me? I know God is for me and for you. Let's stand. Let's sing boldly to the God who delivers. I was advised there was a technical issue with the slides. You might want to grab a hymnal for number 28 as we sing, Is It For Me? Number 28 in your hymnal, the main hymnal. Is it for me, dear Savior, thy glory and thy rest? For me, so weak and sinful, oh, shall I be so blessed? Once again, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. If you are in the need or looking for more motivation in your life, feel free to check out my website, benjaminlee.blog, where you can find hundreds of encouraging, motivational blog posts on a variety of subjects. You can find all of my books, which can also be found on amazon.com and other podcast interviews with a variety of people. I hope this helps. Please leave me a rating and a review. I can do and so can you. Take care and God bless.